Hello, and welcome to Talking HR with Lori and Lisa. It's our goal to give you a real look at today's HR world through the sharing of experiences, knowledge, and inspiring people practices. I'm your host, Lisa Fuller, along with my co-host, Lori Rilkoff, and we're excited about introducing you to new people and ideas through our podcast to help you with various HR challenges and opportunities in your workplaces. And I'm Lori Rilkoff, Lisa's co-host for this podcast, and I'm very eager to hear from today's guest speaker, Shane Jensen, who will be talking to us about leadership and remote working. We have both known Shane for many years, and he has always been a delight to work with. So welcome, Shane. I know you will enlighten all of us on today's topic. Um, yes, of course. Of course. Promise. Fingers, fingers <laughs> crossed. Well, welcome, Shane. We're really happy to have you here with us in our first episode. Um, just for the listeners, Shane is the NRI Vice President of People Experience, Human Resources, Leadership, and Organizational Performance. He's also the founder and senior partner for NewQuest Coaching and Consulting, which has become a leader in Western Canada for their work around human resources, organizational development, and executive and leadership coaching. We're really pleased to have you here with us today. So, so what would you say to employers that aren't quite convinced that employees working remotely are as productive compared to being at work, Shane? I would say first before even giving them some great information that in the spirit of the times and where we're going, that I don't think leaders have that much choice and it's more about embracing it. So I think that's just important that when we look forward, I think that there will be a continued demand for companies and organizations to look at ways to maximize performance, but at the same time, allow other people to work from home. So that's the one thing I just preface with. And then the second piece I think that there's huge value and ROI in having people work from home. However, probably where this great podcast is going to go, how a leader goes about doing that will definitely make or break that ROI. Do you think, Shane, that the companies will ever go back to really having employees, you know, at all of them anyway, return back to the offices as they were before? You know, that's such a great question. And, What's really interesting is what's just starting to pop up now. And again, we don't have really any what we'll call uh, actual experiments or we're tracking it from a social or psychology or even business perspective is what is the impact of people who are used to and enjoy working with others in the workplace and now having to quote unquote isolate or work from home. And that's the unknown variable where we're actually you do like a quick Google search and stuff. There's a lot of stuff starting to pop up where people are like, you know, kind of over this whole work from home. I really miss my peers, my workmates. Um, it'd be great for me to socialize a little bit with my peers, which has a direct impact on employee satisfaction. So uh, yeah, I just, I just think there's so much unknowingness that no matter what, we'll never go back to the way we were, especially in some of your bigger cities where people have appreciated, you already hear them. I'm sure you've all heard about it. People are buying real estate and houses and smaller communities. Mm -hmm. You're just seeing an example. Like I can't see those amazing people saying, well, you know what, COVID's over, let's sell our house and move back to Vancouver. I just don't see that happening. I think particularly for younger workers, what I've heard is there's been a, a bit of an exodus out of the city centers to the rural areas where they're looking at different lifestyles than what they we're expecting to live. 
um, when they they had to go and be in offices in the big cities. And even places like New York City, which can't offer some of the things that it once could to people living in the in cities such as entertainment and restaurants and, you know, for in the Canadian version might be Toronto. People are looking at the appeal of actually living in more rural uh, areas. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and I'll just throw this in there, though, for our listeners. So, for example, in, you know, for NRI, we're a very, uh, you know, we're a very large company, but we're also very labor intensive. So for a large part of our workforce, we need people in our warehouses, you know, to, packing goods, dealing with product goods, and then shipping it out. So no matter what, there's going to be companies where this whole work from home thing is great, but a large part of their labor force needs to be quote unquote on site. Now, don't get me wrong. We also have lots of what I'll say respectfully, not our non-physical labor people who do work from home at NRI. So there, you know, again, there's so many unknown variables that it's not a black and white uh, answer. So Shane, based on that, how, what strategies or what, um, information should employers have when sort of looking at all their workforce needs? Because as you said, some employees may, may be able to work from home. Some, some aren't able to. So whether it's, um, some of the warehouse, um, folks or people in hospitality industries, um, and so on, but also, and those people that really find it difficult to work at home and less productive because they're missing the collaboration. What kind of strategies do employers have to think about as they're thinking about all these diverse needs of their workforce now? Yes. Well, the, the first thing to be aware of, and again, I'm sure all of us or the listeners have experienced a little bit about this, is that Right now, there's not that much choice, and there probably won't be that much choice for leaders with their staff for the next eight to 10 months um, around, no matter what, they need to accommodate, at least in the short term, of how to manage their people versus once COVID shifts and we come out the other side of it, I think that leaders will have a bit more opportunity to say that's not a choice or that is a choice pending each situation. And that's kind of where I'll go with this next. And then you can break down or unpack what I'm saying is a large part, I think of where leaders need to be really clear when they're making these decisions or working with their staff is around how applicable that job is to working from home versus being on site. And I think that's always the first place to start. And if an individual or you, the leader, can say to yourself, he or she can work from home and this job will not miss a beat, then I think that opens up that great door of expiration, which we can get into later in the podcast. But I think it's absolutely pointless to try and put a square peg through a round hole post-COVID. And that's where you're already seeing pushback already um, from that perspective. And I think you're going to see where you have some employees, like you mentioned, who don't want to work from home. You know, I, I, sometimes that sounds surprising, but some employees don't want to work from home. They either have um, other things there that distract them from their work or maybe their home is not conducive to uh, working from home. They don't have the support, even the IT support, uh, things like that. And they also um, then you have the flip side, which is where people want to work from home. And what would be the challenge, do you think, as a leader in an organization where, you know, post-COVID, 
you would have this struggle between those who want to and those who don't want to. What would be the challenges with that? Here's something fascinating, which I'm sure, again, and to your great point there, just a great piece of information. Already at NRI and also with, you know, you'll see companies are already budgeting and redoing their budgets and or looking at is this employee going to work from home or is this employee going to work in our quote unquote office? And now what they're doing is they're tweaking their budget and saying to them simply for every new employee that works for home, we'll dedicate X amount of dollars up front on the orientation side and onboarding side to ensure they have all the equipment and IT stuff at home. So I, I think no matter what, you're going to see this really fascinating shift where it'll be part of your package or your pay package or your salary, or it's part of your employee contract that your said employer is going to provide you with all the equipment. And if, you know, it's just, that's where the world's going and it's already happening with us. Right now, what's interesting is it happened so quick. The companies were just like, boom, for example, let's jump on Zoom. They have a laptop. But if you even think some of our, uh, as you know, your podcast, like I'm from Kamloops, based out of Kamloops here, British Columbia. And I support local businesses. So we do all our computer equipment from Kamloops Computer Center. And just when I was up there the other day, they're just getting overwhelmed by requests from mid-sized companies for laptops and anything to work from home. So you're already seeing this shift that's going to be budgeted into that. And that's another great solution is moving forward for your listeners is from a financial perspective, you need to map this into your budget because you're right. What's the point if there isn't the infrastructure in place? Right. What does this mean for corporate cultures and how do we start building a shared company culture with this diverse work workforce that's going to be in place? Great. Yeah. So a couple of things again, awesome question. We could look at this from a couple perspectives. So please feel free to interrupt if you want to deep dive on a couple of things. So one of the things you'll see right away is what we call your millennials or Gen Z. So men or women basically under the age of 32, 33. They're very easily or very comfortable creating social networks via technology. Don't get me wrong, they'll sure appreciate the ability to be in person, but for them, it's not gonna be that big of a deal, so to speak. And then the other side of it, for example, uh, I have a team of 20, 20, 25 people, and I've made it mandatory on our with all my people that any interface you have through technology has to be video unless your bandwidth can't support it. And so the difference between a video call versus a non-video call is pretty huge now in the spirit of trying to respond to some of these things, Lisa, that you brought up is mm-hmm. how to create connection points. And the video is amazing. And it kind of speaks to the bigger piece, which again, we'll get into later around accountability, engagement and all that stuff. But right away, I think a best practice would be for your listeners is, Hey everyone, moving forward. I want everybody to have their video on in the spirit of da-da-da-da-da. Well, I would think having the video on as well would help to foster that trust component because you're actually able to see each other um, engage in conversation in a more meaningful way. 100%. And, And you're speaking to that biological piece, which you just said. At the end of the day, one of the reasons that supports a really healthy workplace is our ability to identify and relate to people and have a relationship. And if, again, if we're working underneath the umbrella of working from home, we can't expect best practices to be exactly like working in an office. So you've nailed it. One of the things that will help build that relationship, so then you have trust and respect, is at least if I can see you, I can identify with you. 
you know, and if I see you smiling or laughing in the meeting, if it's a really well-run meeting, but lots of fun, I can be like, Lori, why are you chuckling so much? You know, and then all of a sudden people just feel like you, you're right. It's just it's that nebulous piece, but so important. I guess so this is uh, kind of a related question to that, but a little, a little off topic is um, there's been a few stories in the media lately about remote workers getting caught in some uncompromising situations when their fellow workers can see them uh, on video. So what should a leader do in dealing with something like that? <laughs> so again, early days, and I, my blink response to this is, your, is if it bleeds, it leads. So you're right, we're always gonna hear about these hilarious moments or unfortunate moments, or you scratch your head Darwinism moments. And I say that respectfully where you're like, what are you thinking? Um, and of course, I'll just quickly, I don't wanna make this a boring piece, but <laughs> again, you can see where we're going with this. Companies need to update, quote unquote, their policies, expectations, uh, how they choose to budget their salaries and infrastructure for people working from home. It'll be no different around do we need to tweak our respectful code of conduct and or our whatever policy you want to call it around expectations when on a video conference? And here's the thing, though, and I, I'm a right to the point kind of person. We're not reinventing the wheel at the end of the day when everybody dials in or gets on a video conference. Whether I was in person with you in a boardroom or not, I'd still be respectful. I still would be following the quote unquote norms or morals around dress code and language. And I wouldn't be walking around in my underwear if I was in a boardroom. So I can't see why people feel like they'd have to walk around in their underwear uh, on a conference call. So again, I, I don't think leaders need to spend a tremendous amount of time there. They just need, mm -hmm. you know, be, hey, common sense. We don't want to micromanage you. But let's just say how we choose to be in a board in a real actual in-person meeting boardroom. Let's just say to ourselves, let's take those best practices and we expect everybody that dials in. When I say dial in for your listeners, I mean video everything. And let's use the same rules of engagement, so to speak. I love that you actually highlighted that because I've been thinking a little bit about what does this look like from a code of conduct or bullying and harassment? And are people going to let their let their sort of guard down a little bit or tease a little bit more. We've, as Laurie said, you know, we've, we've heard about sort of uncompromising situations or, and I've certainly um, witnessed myself um, little remarks about, Oh, what are you wearing today? You're wearing your pajamas or something. And, and we have to think about how the other person might interpret that um, because it's, you're not in person and the, joking and the conversations may be also interpreted differently. So I think a lot of it's more also awareness and educating others in this new reality of, of online uh, videoing and stuff that we have to be very thoughtful about what we say and our intentions around what we're saying. Yes. And what, what you're saying, Lisa, is everything you just said in the last minute is what everybody should be doing, whether they're at the workplace or at home. Thoughtful <laughs> intentions are clear, mindful of others you know, professionalism, again, it, it doesn't pivot really that much. So I, I really like what you're saying there. Shane, do you feel that um, with the increase in remote working, and I, I understand that NRI still has a, a large demand for people to come to the actual work site, but for your uh, office workers or who may be working more remotely, 
and understanding as well that NRI always had remote workers of some type. Isn't that correct? 100%. Do you feel, though, that as a whole, employers might be looking for different types of aptitudes, skills, or abilities in their recruitment strategies, uh, thinking that they're going to be having more remote workers? My bleak response is no. And I think, if anything, we don't know the legality side of it. But right away, like if I was to take what, like I love what you're saying, Lori, but let me just spin that into a reality situation. And then you both are subject matter experts on what I'm going to do here. I'm going to be like, are you saying to me, and I know you're not saying, but think about it, because let me just say what in my head, I'm thinking about discrimination concerns. So are we hiring somebody? And one of the mm-hmm. questions we're going to vet them on whether or not he or she fits within our company is, can you work from home or can you work in the company office, so to speak? Well, I think I, what I was really asking more so was maybe a higher level of IT skills or a higher level of uh, communication skills in a different way than what you would normally have expected if they were sitting in your office. Hmm. That's a good point. I, so again, I would make it job specific. And I'm, I'm sorry for making that kind of like the answer to everything. But if I, so for example, if I had a brilliant salesperson, he or she was just absolutely exceptional before COVID. And one of their abilities to drive sales was their ability to meet with people, build that relationship, which if anybody's listening on sales, they know that's the battle. Once you have a relationship, you can sell. And if all of a sudden that individual, that salesperson on my team, because of COVID was forced to use online and they weren't very familiar with it because he or she was a very high performer and my clients loved working with her or him from a leadership perspective, I'd be like, okay, what training do you need? How can we support you in your success? Because you're a high valued employee. So that's one way I would look at it. And then on the other end, if you're creating a job description, where you want people to have, you know, one year of computer engineering and stuff, I'd be a bit nervous about that. So you don't feel that uh, a different type of communication skill would be required for those that have to work uh, remotely more often than before? I'll, again, I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'll just say. <laughs> not trying to put you on well, the spot not, here. Well, I just, again, I'll, I'll just speak really candidly. And, and I know yes. we expanded a little bit, but I'm like, Really, what what extra technology are we talking about here? Well, not maybe technology side, but, uh, you know, the type of communication skills. And maybe that's something we haven't identified yet. Uh, are there different types of communication skills that project uh, better through uh, remote uh, communication yeah. rather and, than in person? And the reason why I think we're going back and forth, and I love this, Lori, is so much of, I think, what you're saying People are already doing that pre-COVID or not. If we just think about how much we use email, mm-hmm. phone, tech, um, Slack, WhatsApp threads, Microsoft Teams, like there's so many applications out there that whether we're in the office or at home, we're using to communicate with people and engage our people or go lead our people. So to me, I don't think it's a huge shift around skill development, to be honest. Do I think that if I'm used to doing an in-person boardroom meeting, and I'm used to having one-to-one performance meeting chats with my people or coaching chats. And now I got to switch it over to video. Do I think that there's a skill development need there? Yes. But I think that's just a quick, what you call an upward tick where you learn and then you're good to go. But overall, 
I just think about myself. I use a variety of different mediums to connecting with my people, with clients. And I don't really see that much different whether it was COVID or not COVID. Those skills are very transferable. I like what you're saying there, Shane, because what sort of was resonating with me as both you and Laurie were chatting is about, you know, we have to have self-awareness. We need to have social awareness. You know, we're talking a lot in today's reality about ensuring we're leading with compassion and empathy because everybody's situation right now is so, so unique to their circumstances. And, and then we have to be aware of that, whether we're leading virtually or, or leading in person. What advice would you give to leaders about maybe the top three things that they should be doing as a leader to really motivate and engage individuals and team members? right now during this time and and going forward so i've always been a firm believer pre-covid we'll call it of, of of a leader always no matter what having scheduled what we call pulse checks or one-to-one coaching chats or one-to-one conversations where it's it's a scheduled meeting with your direct report and it's where you it's the good the bad and the ugly conversation you can use it for a variety of different reasons I think that's a, a must for any leader. And what I love, even in the time of COVID, that's not stopping any leader from opening up their calendar and setting up one-to-one chat sessions via video with each of their people. I think that's really important because the people don't have, individuals don't have the opportunity to say, walk into their boss's office and say, look, I have some issues. Because when you're doing these video group meetings, um, you know, it's, it's very personal for people. They're in their homes. They may be dealing with issues. And if leaders rely just on those group meetings without touching base with their individual employees as well to hear what, how you could support them to be working from home, I think it's really important. It, it, it's fundamental success. And where some of your listeners might be like, well, Shane, I have X amount of people. And I'm like, hang on, here's my quick rebuttal. So when I say I do it, And to all the listeners, like I have, I think I said to you, I have 25 people in our team, our people experience team, our human resource team. Let's be clear. I have three managers, senior managers that I directly interface with once a week on one-to-one. I'm not interfacing with 25 people a week. So where I'll say to my leaders, let's be very clear in a really positive way. I'm going to say this. One of the primary roles of any leader at any level in any organization is to hold their people accountable and support their people around the job descriptions and company policies. Like, think about it. A large part of what a leader should be doing is interfacing with his or her direct reports to ensure they're kicking butt. So when they'll, because st- the pushback you get is around time management, all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my goodness, give me a break. So again, the one-to-one with your direct reports. And here's the last piece to why I, I believe in this. You know, you said three things. This first one is this. When your direct reports excel, you as a leader are exceeding. And so it's just like, quote unquote, common sense. And the way to do that is back to this. In a time of COVID, where people are all over the map, you need scheduled one-to-one pulse checks on a weekly basis. That's the first thing I would look at. I love that. And I think it really does come down to communication and connection. And I I would have said that to leaders before COVID, 
So to your point, yes, things have changed uh, maybe through the medium that we're delivering this, but you need to be connecting and communicating with your employees and your staff and your team and you need to be clear with expectations and you need to start removing you need to remove those barriers so they can be successful there it is and so that would be my you, that was great lisa and so back to Lori's great question the three things number two would be during the time of covid and however it evolves post covid that and i'm sure a lot of our listeners will recognize this when there isn't clear expectations between a leader and his or her amazing people, that's when things go sideways. And you can get away with a lot as a leader if you're kind of on the ground with them. Everybody's in the same kind of space. But the moment people shift to working from home, you as a leader, my number two piece would be, you really need to sit down with each of your employees and map out crystal clear what the expectations are or the KPIs, which we call key performance indicators. And those need to be, for better lack of a term, very specific. And so by having that upfront conversation, you're shifting to number three now and watch how these all flow together. Number three would be, and here it comes in the better lack of a term, ready? I would, I say this to my staff, I don't really care when you get up, when you start to work or when you stop working. All I care about is that the expectations that you and I have sat down and discussed or go, I need that weekly sales report sent to me Friday morning so I can bring it up to the senior leadership team, or I need this, whatever it is, that that's delivered as per agreement or the KPIs are met as per agreement. And as long as the KPIs are achieved, it comes back to this whole place of, hey, you're at home, you got your kids, you got your life, you got this, that's great. Bottom line is you rearrange your work schedule. I'll empower you. I'll trust you. In return, you must knock the ball the ballpark on these KPIs. So those are the three things right there. And the problem is, the dark side there, just to tighten down example there, is leaders worry about what are they doing? Are they working? Are they watching TV? Are they watching Netflix? Are they surfing? I'm like, who cares? If you're worrying as a leader, I'm like, mm, with utmost respect, you probably haven't sat down and figured out what exactly are the metrics and how you're measuring performance. Then allow that individual, and they'll, by the way, you'll empower them, you'll earn their trust, respect, to deliver in the capacity they think works best, as long as the outcome is the same that you both agree upon. And I, I just wanted to go back just for a minute about um, you know having these one-on-one -on -one meetings. One of the challenges I think for leaders would be that um, they get a delayed response or reaction for employees. So if, um, you know, employees dealing with a difficult client, um, you're not going to hear about that. If you were in the office with them and you saw that happening or you heard it right away, you could deal with that. You could support the employee more effectively. You could do it very quickly. When they're working from home, you may not hear about that for a while. And in the meantime, the employee had maybe struggling with that issue, uh, either emotionally or just um, trying to sort through the problem that they were faced with without the immediate support of being in a physical uh, space with their coworkers or other supporting people in the workplace. Um, so I think it's really important to your point, uh, Shane, about making sure that you are touching base with your employees 
on an individual basis to hear about those situations they might be facing. Yeah, and, and back to what uh, Lisa was saying too about communication. And again, I'm sure a lot of our listeners do this, but if I think about best practices, one of the things I'll say to my people is, I can't, I, I don't want to have to micromanage you. So I love what you just said there, Lori. My expectation to my people would be, if you had a really difficult call with a client or you're just really stressed, I need you to reach out to me. Or I need you to say, flip me an email or a text or on Slack or say, hey, Shane, uh, do you have 15 minutes later today? I just want to touch base with you on something. Or, hey, Shane, can we just set up a quick chat tomorrow morning? I just want to run this by you. And so notice two things need to happen here. One is you need your, your people need to be proactive. They have to be, they have to be like, okay, I'm going to reach out to my leader to get support and or bounce this off them. And the flip side is the leader really has to double down on that and encourage their people because you're right, Lori. It's no longer like you had a stressful call and you're walking to the coffee room and I happen to walk out and you're like, oh, that was so hard. I'm like, what? And then away we go. You're right, Lori. Those moments are gone. Okay. Well, I think that uh, it was a very insightful talk with you today, Shane. I really appreciate you being with us. Absolutely. And I really, I, I just like, you know, hearing how you're leading um, as well and setting that example for your employees, whether they're remote, whether they're in person, but it really is how do we set people up to be successful, um, set clear expectations, have regular communication and, and build that accountability framework in, in a new reality, um, which is going to stay this way for for the long, well, I think for the future. So thank you for being with us and being our first guest, Shane. We're so appreciative. It was wonderful. And thank you both for giving me this opportunity. Yeah, I, th- I think the key point I take away from today is that not even though the world of COVID and remote working seems to have dramatically changed uh, the workplace, in some ways it really hasn't. A lot of the leadership um, skills and uh, attributes that a good leader would have are still applicable in this world and we shouldn't be thinking that we have to change dramatically with that but keeping in mind that there are some things that um, we might need to do a little extra to help our employees who are working remotely. So thank you very much Shane and hey we'd like to also thank Andrew Skopenko who's our team member and technical support who makes all of this happen for us. You are a man of many talents. Uh, Say hello, Andrew. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here. (laughs) We're glad you're here too, Andrew. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) we are. We wouldn't be doing it without you. And well, as well, we've had a number of volunteers supporting us. Additional thanks to Rhonda Keeper for our artwork, Jeremy Rilkoff for our theme music, and also those that helped us give us some guidance and advice, Robert Koopmans and David Hughes of Forward Law for their guidance. And we hope all of you will join us for our next podcast. And we're very excited again to have a very special guest, emotional intelligence facilitator and coach Celine Rose, who will be sharing with us her wisdom on emotional intelligence and remote workers. Thanks. Bye. Thanks again, everybody. See you next time. <laughs>